Alright, what is up you guys? Welcome to the Abstract Audio Podcast. I'm your host Derek, um, reporting live from the holiday weekend. Hopefully you guys are having fun already. Uh, Hopefully you guys are bullshitting. Um, Maybe traveling. I know traveling is always, I feel like it's always fun around the holidays just to be uh, somewhere else around this time of year and experience it somewhere else. Um, But fuck it, even if you're at home or you're at work, I mean, get your money. I feel you, man. Um, I remember, what, five or so years ago now, working overnights at Walmart. And uh, what was it, like Christmas Eve into Christmas Day? Or maybe it was like Christmas... Christmas night was like our one day off or like the one day that Walmart closed. Um, I don't know what, I don't know if they still do that or if they're doing that now, but yeah, I get it. You got priorities, man. Or if the money's there, the bag's there, I I don't blame you. Take it. Um, but we're going to get started with some sadder news, you know, some condolences. Um, I figured it was best to start the podcast with these and then rather than end it with this, you know, such a on, on such a sad note. Um, so the first in condolences were um, MF Doom, his son, his 14 year old son passed away. Um, he announced it on Instagram Monday and uh, and fucking 14. I, I don't know the cause of death, um, but fucking 14. That shit is crazy, man. Uh, and so I wanted to read his caption or, or the little piece that he wrote for his son on Instagram. So it reads, King Malachi Ezekiel Duma or Dumale, uh, 222.03 to 1218.17, the greatest son one could ask for, safe journey and may all our ancestors greet you with open arms, one of our greatest inspirations. Thank you for allowing us to be your parents. Love you, Mali. So, an RIP to Malachi. That shit has to be, I mean, words words can't even describe, right? Um, and, you know, in all strength to MF Doom, you know, at this time. But uh, next is um, Combat Jack. So, a pioneering... Uh, or just a pioneer in the podcast realm. And, uh, you know, uh, I was reading here that he's been, what, uh, attorney and executive in uh, in music and hip-hop even before the podcasting. I knew him from podcasting. Um, so I'm going to read this brief piece. I feel like it's very well written. All right, so it's with heavy hearts that we share the news of Combat Jack, known to many friends and family as Reggie O.C., has passed away today at the age of 48 after battling with colon cancer. The announcement was made on his Twitter this morning after one of his closest colleagues, Hot 97's Peter Rosenberg, shared the tragic news. Um, Back in October, the trailblazing hip-hop personality announced on his Twitter that he was diagnosed with colon cancer, telling fans... Internets, what's up? It's your man, Combat Jack. In seven years of podcasting, I've never missed an episode. I got hit with some real life shit. I was recently diagnosed with colon cancer. 
I was rushed to the hospital, had some pretty severe injury or, or some pretty severe surgery, excuse me. Um, I'm on the mend right now. I'm about to jump on this journey to health with chemo and alternative medicine. Despite the setback, OC made clear he was going to be fighting hard and wasn't going to let it slow him down. Further adding, take care of your health. Your boy ain't going nowhere. We're going to keep doing this. Keep rocking with us. Uh, so prior to his seminal hip-hop podcast, The Combat Jack Show, Reggie O.C. was a revered hip-hop music attorney and executive. He'll be remembered by his four children. Rest in peace, Combat. Um, so I, I debated covering these, you know, even mentioning the... Uh, and mind you, I know in the story or in the article, it read as today he passed away. Um, today being Friday, but it was actually on Wednesday, I believe. So it just, you know, that's the day the article was posted. And so, yeah, just to clear up any confusion, but, um, I debated covering these, uh, condolences to be honest, or these passings just because I like, you know, I want to be that lighthearted podcast in your playlist. Um, but I thought about it and being honest with myself, uh, both of these passings do, you know, are, are something I care about and something that affect me. So felt like they were worth covering. I mean, uh, I'm somewhat familiar with MF Doom. I know of his hip hop legacy and um, and Combat Jack. Uh, I've listened to him for I mean, I have he hasn't been in my rotation recently and probably for a year or so now he hasn't been. But, um, over the past couple years, there have been instances, I mean, where I've, I've listened to interviews and that's helped get me through, you know, whatever work, you know, and, and take my mind off, off of the shit. So, um, and, and phenomenal interviews. Like, I just remember being blown away by the people that he had on his show. I, I believe the one that I kept going back to was J. Cole, maybe. I don't know, but I remember it was extremely inspirational and just a, a phenomenal interview. So, um, RIP to both of those individuals. And uh, if you guys aren't familiar, you should check out the Combat Jack show on on uh, Apple Podcasts. It's possibly on Spotify Podcasts. Um, amazing. One of the most stacked archives of phenomenal interviews. Um so to round out the tragic news, uh, Good Charlotte recently covered awful things, kind of paying tribute to Lil Peep, and I felt like it was a somewhat, I mean, phenomenal fucking performance, but I felt like it was also kind of a dope um, segue from the sad news into, you know, the daily topics. So I'm going to play that for you guys right now.
So phenomenal fucking performance. I thought, uh, I just felt like, especially for good Charlotte to pay homage to Lil Peep, I thought that was extremely dope. Um, so, I mean, because that's who kind of Lil Peep really reminded me of. I've mentioned it before, but, um, you know, like, I guess, like, some 41, uh, and yeah, like, good Charlotte bands like that, and, uh, I feel like the influence is pretty clear, and I think it's really dope of good Charlotte to pay homage like that, just because, um, I don't even know if they're touring, you know, so, and, and a dope-ass performance, so, Hopefully you guys enjoyed that. All right. Now getting into our first topic. So Floyd Mayweather Jr. is in talks with the UFC, according to Dana White. Um, so Floyd Mayweather Jr., as a professional mixed martial artist, could actually be a reality soon, as it has been reported by ESPN that the champion boxer is in talks with UFC president Dana White. With Mayweather answering the call to fight Conor McGregor in the boxing ring, it feels like anything is possible, and this is what White is alluding to about his meeting with the undefeated champ. We're interested in doing something with Floyd, Dana told ESPN. Everything is a, a realistic possibility. Mayweather versus McGregor fucking happened. Anything is possible. Uh, additionally, this is not the first time Mayweather has discussed his interest in joining the UFC. Uh, they just called, they just called me not too long ago and asked me to come back, said Mayweather from Fight Hype. I, I can come back or I can come right back. If I wanted to, I can come right back to the UFC. I can go fight in the octagon. I can do a three or four fight deal in the octagon and make a billion dollars. Remember, I'm, I'm Floyd Money Mayweather. Uh, to put into perspective, the Mayweather-McGregor bout ranked in more than 600 million U.S. dollars in revenue. ESPN points out that it's unlikely that if Mayweather did step into the octagon, that he would fight McGregor. Regardless, just Mayweather being involved with the UFC will cause more buzz for the sport and increase pay-per-view orders on the night that he that he does decide to fight. Um, there was no way I thought that fight was going to happen, but when you sit down with a smart guy like Mayweather like oh like Mayweather advisor Al Haymond a very intelligent guy anything is possible White commented and Floyd as much as he does the money thing and this and that Floyd was actually very easy to work with I was impressed um so who knows man maybe this was part of the initial deal and now this is um just being you know framed in this way for it to uh to make headlines i don't know um interesting that he wouldn't fight mcgregor uh intelligent that he wouldn't fight mcgregor but who would he fight because then if he doesn't fight mcgregor i feel like it goes from super fight to i mean mind you I, i'm clearly aware of the uh the skill difference and i think you know everyone doubted Connor going into the boxing ring and and we really did see we saw a vet and uh just a legendary fighter with you know phenomenal fundamentals pick apart a a champion in another sport 
you know um and that's all credit to floyd he he did his damn thing and it was a phenomenal performance by both of them but i feel like that gap that you know floyd mentioned that uh well i let him you know i let him last that long um i feel like that'll only double like that'll only be even more relevant in the octagon that connor can decide to finish him in what in fucking 30 seconds if he wanted or he could let him go on um i don't think it's nearly as interesting of a fight i mean it sounds awesome first off but just thinking about what like the actual fight itself um connor would have to make a bunch of you know handicap rules where he's like you know i'm not gonna take you down we're gonna stand and, and throw and you know just some shit like that um but what I was initially mentioning is if, if he doesn't fight Connor and he fights someone else, it's interesting because I think he has more of a shot, obviously. But it, it enters the realm. It goes from super fight to CM Punk fight where it's kind of a legit circus show, you know. Um, so I don't know. Interesting shit. Uh, I figured Floyd wasn't done. But, um, I don't know. We'll see. I hope more develops from this. It's sounding on both sides like everyone wants to make it happen. So I think it's very likely that we see him, um, hopefully sooner than later. I'm guessing at the earliest mid next year. Um, but I'm, I'm curious if, for an opponent now, because if it's not going to be uh, McGregor, I don't know fascinating shit we're gonna have to see what happens with that uh but all right also in sports news lavar ball is starting his own basketball league um lavar ball just announced that he will be starting his own basketball league according to espn the endeavor will carry the big baller brand moniker and will consist of nationally nationally ranked high school graduate players it's basically a league for athletes who do not want to go to college but want to prepare themselves for the league um the more interesting part about lavar ball's junior basketball association is that players will be paid a salary nationally ranked high school graduates will receive three thousand a month with ten thousand a month going to the best players of everything is fully funded by the big baller brand and there is a strict stipulation that all players must wear big baller brand gear including shoes Currently, Ball is searching to start with the 10-team league with 80 players who will play at different professional arenas in major cities. Brooklyn, Atlanta, Dallas, and Los Angeles are just some of the locations. Additionally, Big Baller Brand, our Triple B League, I guess, um, rules will conclude with professional NBA rules, or will coincide, excuse me, with professional NBA rules. This means quarters will be 12 minutes and a professional three-point line. Uh, according to Ball, getting these players is going to be easy, he told ESPN. This is giving guys a chance to get a jump, a jump start on their career, to be seen by pro scouts, and we're going to pay them because someone has to pay these kids. In other LeVar news, check out this interview you did with them. We did with the man himself. Okay, so uh, I don't know. What do you guys fucking think of this? I'm not the big sports dude. I mean, I, I have my sports mainly, mainly MMA. Um, I'm somewhat familiar with basketball, but not nearly enough to, to, uh, 
like to be informed about this shit. I just know that the college ball conversation has been going on for some years now. And uh, just, you know, with college players not being able to be compensated, you know, outside of their education, I guess, which is fucking ridiculous, especially when you have some of these breakout players that, you know, that bring in millions for organizations. I think it's really fucked up. And to say, oh, well, they get a full ride scholarship. That's not fucking enough. Uh, and it's fucking ridiculous that that's still an argument. But it's it's the most relevant argument, I guess, or the most, you know, uh, the most commonly used opposing argument. Um, So I don't know. I, I'm interested as fuck to see. I mean, the balls, although controversial, you know, obviously, LeVar's doing his fucking thing, man. Uh, a year ago, maybe... Uh, I would say, yeah, about a year ago, I didn't even know who the fuck LeVar was, you know, and now within over the course of a year or so, you know, he's, everyone knows LeVar Ball, it's fucking crazy, man, Uh, and all of his sons, for the most part, I mean, we'll have to see if this thing takes off, I'm kind of hoping it does, because you figure with college, you know, they, the students, or the athletes, rather, get a full ride scholarship but they usually major in like what fucking sports medicine or some shit um and and it's kind of a joke right the the school part it's like we're clearly paying you to come and be our athlete and for you to come and make us millions yeah it's a you know whatever lump sum investment for us you know however much their college would cost but it's minuscule compared to what they make off of the athletes. And that's apparent. I don't see how people argue that. So I feel like with this LeVar League, it's kind of cutting out the bullshit. Or at least that's what it seems like. You guys let me know. If you guys are more informed, which you likely are, um, let me know. What are your thoughts on this? Um, but I don't know. Hopefully hopefully we'll see it take off. I think it's fascinating because it's, it's really ironic that this is happening right now because uh in Sai's album on a song called New Africa he mentions you know uh why don't these something along the lines of you know LeBron and all these major players need to uh leave the league and go and start their own and uh and so this is somewhat reminiscent of that and I think it's fucking phenomenal um so yeah, I'm I'm actually rooting for Lavar in this case. Uh, still fuck Lonzo for that Nas hoodie though. That shit's foul. Um, but all right, now leaving sports news and getting into tech news. Uh, Elon Musk shows off SpaceX's Falcon Heavy rocket, set to be one of the most powerful rockets ever produced. Um, Elon Musk has presented the best glimpse yet at are the best. The, ble- the best glimpse yet of SpaceX is soon to be fully resized, realized, Jesus Christ, man, uh, Falcon Heavy rocket via Twitter, located at Cape Canaveral, Florida, and set to launch in January 2018. The rocket is nearly complete, with the payload and nose cone appearing to be the only thing incomplete on the surface. Uh, the Falcon Heavy is said to be one of the most powerful rockets ever produced, consisting of three reusable Falcon 9 cores used by previously flown Falcon 9 boosters 
It's said to be so powerful that it's capable of carrying around 140,000 pounds of cargo into lower Earth orbit. I don't know if that's a lot. I'm going to assume it's a lot because I don't fucking know shit about this. But um, check out the footage and share your thoughts below. Uh, yeah, I just thought it was fascinating and dope to cover because, again, I feel like we're in like a space race-esque era you know, with seeing Jeff Bezos, who I previously didn't know was involved in, you know, this space realm, um, seeing him and his Blue Origin project, and uh, and then also seeing, um, what's his name, Richard Branson, I believe, the uh, Virgin billionaire, I believe billionaire probably, um, but seeing him getting in, into the Hyperloop, uh, just seeing all of these millionaires slash billionaires getting involved with you know this this tech space and uh future transportation whether it be space transport like bezos is looking into or uh you know just a faster hyper rail-esque transport that the hyperloop is going to be um and which richard branson's getting involved with and obviously elon's been involved in both realms so uh, well, not necessarily the space trips. Um, he's been more so, you know, launching these rockets, I believe, on cargo trips and, you know, refueling trips and shit. But, uh, yeah, pretty dope. The fucking Falcon Heavy rocket. Uh, and if you guys want to, you should check out photos on Twitter. Elon posted them. Um, this, this rocket's fucking massive. Uh, all right, staying in tech news. Disappoint in disappointing tech news, um, Apple confirms slowing down uh, old phones. So, um, the initial report is, it's been reported that because there was an initial report early in the week, and then Apple commented on it, so it has the updated uh, response from Apple. So I'm gonna read it in order to you guys. The first initial. Uh, exposing i guess because it was exposed on reddit and then apple you know was essentially forced to respond to it and uh, i'll read the response afterwards so it's been reported that reddit users have discovered apple may be throttling processors on older iphones with low battery capacity to possibly tempt owners to upgrade device upgrade their devices um although many iphones slow down due to newer and more taxing iOS updates, Geekbench developer John Poole has mapped the performances for the iPhone 6S and iPhone 7, deducing, deducing iOS 10.2.1 and 11.2.0 respectively having have different throttling. The former in particular was designed to reduce random shutdown issues for the iPhone 6 and 6S by throttling the CPU. Um... Geekbench states that iOS 11.2.0 has a similar throttling effect for lower capacity batteries on the iPhone 7. Reddit users claim that replacing the battery on their phones returns speeds back to normal. Apple has yet to comment on these findings. Stay tuned for more information uh, as it unfolds. If, you're, if you own an older iPhone, have you noticed this is true? I think if you've owned any iPhone, we've kind of all experienced it, right? Like, it's been this weird, like, ongoing joke 
that is very obvious that it does happen across all phones when a new one comes out. So that's why I don't know if Apple's claims hold true. Hold on, they they responded, but I'm gonna read the um the tweet that at Sam Siruamu tweeted and it has a photo or a screenshot of the uh CPU frequency on his uh on each of his iPhones, one before he changed the battery and one after. Um so the caption reads, so it's true Apple intentionally slows down old iPhones. Proof, my iPhone 6 was bought three years ago and recently got really slow. App CPU Dasher X slows iPhone CPU or shows iPhone CPU is underclocked running at 600 megahertz. After a iPhone battery replacement, CPU speed resumed to factory setting 1400 megahertz. Um... All right, so Apple responded uh, the update. Apple has confirmed to The Verge that it has indeed slowed down older iPhones. However, the company is disputing claims by customers that it's to force people to upgrade their devices. Instead, Apple says it's for the prolongment and protection of the device. In a statement, the California-based company stated, Our goal is to deliver the best experience for customers which includes overall performance and prolonging the life of their devices. Uh, Lithium-ion batteries become less capable of supplying peak current demands when in cold conditions, have a low battery charge, or as they age over time, which can result in the device unexpectedly shutting down to protect its electronic components. Um, Last year, we released a feature for iPhone 6, iPhone 6S, and iPhone SE, to smooth out the instantaneous peaks uh, only when needed to prevent the device from unexpectedly shutting down during these conditions. We've now extended that feature to iPhone 7 with iOS 11.2 and plan to add support for other products in the future. Um, so I don't know. I don't know if that necessarily holds true uh, that you would slow down the usage just to preserve the internals it seems very conveniently timed i mean that makes sense because if you think about it whenever apple rolls out a new iphone there is a new version of ios right typically that comes preloaded on the phone um so it makes sense that if you're on an older device that once you update your shit slows down but i don't know I mean, we've put up with it this long, and uh, I mean, my initial in- interpretation is that I, I like with the upgrade program, I'll always have the newer phone, so I don't know if it's necessarily a problem. I mean, it's it's clearly a problem, but I don't know if it'll necessarily affect me. Um, I don't know. I mean, pretty shitty business practice, though, I feel like to throttle your old iPhones and apparently just to preserve the electronic components. I don't know. And what do you guys feel? Is this, uh, is this Apple bullshitting, you know, being exposed and then having to respond? I don't know if it's necessarily, it doesn't, uh, it's convenient. It's too conveniently timed for it to be 
right, you know, right along. I mean, who's to say? Because I would think that it's too conveniently timed to be on a new iOS, you know, right as a new phone releases. But it somewhat makes sense because that new phone is going to have upgraded internals. You know, it always does. And so it will naturally handle better. And then old phones are supposedly Apple's trying to protect all of you or all of us. Um, Because I've been a victim of it. I've been, I mean, we've all gotten used to it, I feel like. If you've had an Apple phone for even a fucking, you know, a couple years, you know, and you've gotten used to the shit. So I don't know. What are your guys' thoughts on this? I smell some bullshit, some fuckery from Apple. And I'll call out a shitty business practice when I see it. And that's kind of, uh, I don't know. I'll have to think about it, but right now it seems pretty fucked up. Um, all right, but staying in Apple news, Apple is allowing cross-platform apps in 2018. Um, it is expected to arrive alongside iOS 12 and macOS 10.4. According to Bloomberg, Apple will produce new tools to allow developers the ability to design and engineer cross-platform apps that run on iPhone, iPad, and Mac. Um, pretty dope, right? To have a continuous, I think it'll only continue, uh, that like continuous what do they call it handoff i think is what the feature is called so where your devices your your mac your ipad and your iphone all kind of communicate on certain apps um i think it'll only make that more fluid and that's one of my favorite features that you know it's it's fucking it's that shit is like magical bro (laughs) i don't know i mean when i'm fucking sitting here on my mac and I'm um, also have my notes open on my iPad and the fucking notes pop up in the corner of my Mac. Like that shit is crazy. Um, and I think that will, this will only make it obviously available on more apps. I don't know. Uh, all right. The article continues. Develop, developed apps will work depending on which platform the app is on, whether it functions with a touchscreen, mouse, or trackpad. These features are scheduled to roll out alongside iOS 12 and macOS 10.4 next year alongside a new software development kit. It's speculated that Apple will announce these plans at WWDC Developer Conference in June. It's also speculated the development kit will be iOS-focused and enable support for Macs instead of vice versa. That's kind of interesting. Um... However, Bloomberg notes these plans are not official, meaning timing could change or be scrapped altogether in the future. Um, I guess I'm just excited for the possibilities. Um, that is one of the dopest, you know, most magical features that iOS or just the whole the entire Apple platform gives to its users, I feel like personally. So, uh, I think this is pretty exciting news. And then these features really take on a whole new life once they get in the hand in the hands of developers. So I'm even, you know, more excited for that. So I don't know. We'll see. Exciting news and, you know, bullshit news from Apple. So I don't know. I don't know how I feel about them right now. But um, Magic Leap unveils augmented reality goggles, nearly two billion dollars and six years in development. Uh, Florida startup Magic Leap raised 1.9 billion U.S. 
in investment from sources ranging from Google to Alibaba and has been at work on an augmented reality product since its founding in 2011. With 2017 ending in mere weeks, the company has finally unveiled the fruits of its labors, a set of augmented reality goggles purportedly set to debut in 2018. Uh, Founder Rory Abovitz made his fortune from sales of Mako Surgical Corp., a company that designed robotic arms for surgery and used that money to begin Magic Leap. After years of development and raising and a raising or and a rising valuation last reaching six billion, Magic Leap has unveiled its first AR product. The set of glasses, battery pack, and controller are set to debut under the name of the Magic Leap One Creator Edition, with each piece boasting a separate name. The six camera glasses are dubbed lightwear the belt attached the belt attached pack is light pack and the controller is given the appropriate simple title of control the uh the innovative set utilizes the brain's visual cortex to process realistic virtual reality imagery creating an immersive ar experience unlike anything currently on the market the ai assistant feature may even replace alexa google home and other similar technology with the AR set retailing for 1000 to 1500 according to insider sources, Magic Leap reports that it will release a software development kit with developer support and tools. Head to the startup's website for more information. Um, this is, uh, regardless of if this succeeds or fails, I mean, the goggles do look goofy, all right? But you, you look like a fucking mosquito wearing this shit. But... Or some type of arachnid, you know. <laughs> but that's besides the point. Because this shit, I feel like, whether it succeeds or it fails, this is the start of what's to come. We're only going to see, you know, in in the coming years, we're only going to see Google's take on it. Well, we've already kind of seen Google's take on it, right? Somewhat. But we're only going to see, you know, further developments from this. You know, from it using the, what is it, the fucking, the frontal cortex, where did it say? Alright, yeah, the the visual cortex. So the innovative set utilizes the brain's visual cortex to process realistic virtual reality imagery, creating an immersive AR experience unlike anything currently on the market. Um, That's what's most exciting about this entire article to me. Uh, because that will be developed upon, whether it be by Magic Leap or whether it be observed, you know, picked apart and then improved upon by companies like Apple, um, you know, Facebook, any of the like. Uh, so this is extremely exciting. A thousand dollars, though. Um, I don't know. I want to watch, you, you know, user views or like reviews on YouTube. And shit like that. But I don't know. I mean, they do look goofy as fuck. But that's with any new product, right? Like any new product that is like a development like that. Like just just focused on, on the uh, the fucking leap of fucking development, motherfuckers. <laughs> like, I don't know. You are going to look goofy as fuck, I have to admit, though. But exciting. Exciting shit. 
Uh, all right, now getting into fashion news. Uh, Diet Prada announces Kim de Garçon merch pre-order. So uh, I mentioned Diet Prada earlier, a couple episodes back. Um, and that is the Instagram account that exposed Kim Kardashian for copying, well, technically Kim Kardashian, but whoever the designers are for her uh, kid supply line. I mean, direct fucking ripoffs of Comme des Garçons. And uh, I believe there was also one of, was it all Comme des Garçons? I know the bomber jacket was. There was a dress, though, and I don't remember who that who that copied. Oh, that copied uh, Vetements. And that di- both of them directly fucking copied. Um, so this is fucking hilarious. Kim de Garçon. Uh, Alright, so Instagram's fashion renegade Diet Prada first called out Kim Kardashian earlier this month. Kardashian's Vetements and Comme de Garçon biting designs made the rounds on social media. And Diet Prada is commemorating the event with a bit of tribute tributary merch um referencing the playful photoshop posted on instagram diet prada's kim de garçon collection is set to debut on a set of limited t-shirts and and hoodie available in beige and white the new york printed goods are offered in oversized fits up to 2xl so you can wear it as a dress a la kk um 20 percent of the proceeds from sales will be donated to Mount Sinai, Mount Sinai's Kravis Children's Hospital, which is kind of, that's pretty fucking dope. Um, the goods are set to ship within two to three weeks of ordering. We've seen that before, uh, with limited supplies available on the group's merch page. Um, yeah, so I thought this was kind of funny. Um, you can go to, what is the site? Yeah, dietproda.com. And uh, the hoodie is $69. And the tee is $32. Or the tees. So, I don't know. Kind of funny. I mean, we've seen colorway-wise, and I'm not really critiquing it for its design, but colorway-wise, we've seen it before. Tan, you know, with a basic print. Uh, it's more so just fucking hilarious. Um... I don't know, but dope on them, man. That shit is funny. Uh, so, yeah, if you guys want to check that out, the website is dietprada.com, or you could go uh, and just check out the blatant ripping off uh, if you go to Diet Prada's Instagram page, which is, I believe, diet underscore Prada. So, I just thought the shit was kind of funny, worth, uh, worth mentioning. Um, staying in fashion news huge fucking fashion news uh probably the most exciting story of the week uh joey badass is named pony's first ever creative director the 20 the 22 year old brooklynite takes on yet another role um all right so brooklyn or new york excuse me new york based rapper and actor joey badass has been named the first ever creative director of pony uh with the name with the naming comes a collaborative footwear capsule that envisions the classic aesthetic of Pony with that of the 22-year-old pro-era co-founder. Um, with Badass being a product of Brooklyn, the lookbook, the lookbook sets the borough as the backdrop as a nod to his upbringing. Uh, dope as fuck. 
The shoes themselves are detailed with a premium suede upper atop a white midsole with the classic pony chevron emblazoned on the side. Playing off the pro-era color scheme, the sneakers will be available in red, green, and yellow with an additional burgundy colorway dropping in February of 2018. Starting at $75, the collection can be found at Urban Outfitters, Zoomies, and Pony.com. Um, this is just dope as fuck for Joey Badass. Like, goddamn, fucking the first creative director of a brand like Pony. And I feel like the... And if you guys are unaware that, you know, the Pony brand is is uh, monumental for not only sneaker history, but for New York in general. Um, I, I was first introduced to them by Ronnie's collaboration, what, maybe five years ago or so, where he did a high top. I believe he did a, a black an off-white sold high top, and then a uh, all-red high top, or all-red and then off-white sole. Um, but admittedly, that was the first time I knew, like, I was really introduced to the brand. Um, but it just feels, this this collaboration, and or not even collaboration, bringing Joey on as creative director just feels so organic. And obviously, Joey's going to do all he can for, you know, to make this brand a success. I'm fucking extremely excited to see what comes of this. Um, I don't care for any of the three colorways, but um, however, I am looking forward to, you know, hopefully upcoming, you know, continuing models from the brand uh, that Joey has his hands in so that I can support that. But uh, all right, so now we are going to get into sneaker release dates or excuse me upcoming sneakers so upcoming sneaker releases whatever the fuck you want to call it um all right so we'll start on what 12 12 21 yeah i didn't cover these so all right nike air max 97 country camo uh, there is a USA colorway, which is like a woodland camo on top of a black sole. It doesn't look bad, but all camo is, I don't know, it's iffy, at least for me. Um, then there's also a Nike Air Max 97 Italy, which is more of a, what, like a cream camo and kind of splotchy. And then uh, the the uh the best pair in the pack in my opinion the uh uk the air max 97 uk this one has it just looks very babish i don't know it looks very streetwear i really like the way that the camo pops it's a very vivid green on a white outsole um i would say that's probably my favorite uh but for 180 i don't need it but if you guys get it and flex it i mean it's these these are reasonably dope shoes you know dope colorways um that uk pair though oh and there's also a france pair um which is okay the green isn't nearly as vivid as the uk pair it just reminds me of the uk pair but the uk pair is better so a four pack i don't know and those are available now so if you let me know if you guys pick those up or which colorway you think is the best um i think the uk's got it uh, all right, now still on 1221, the Nike SF AF1 Mid Obsidian Suede. Um, I like the gold eyelets on it, the gold writing, uh, you know, the, the subtle gold hits. 
But other than that, I mean, they've just been churning this fucking model out. It really doesn't excite me anymore. Um, I don't know. So, nothing special. Just an all-obsidian suede pair with gold hits. The gold accenting is the best part. But, I mean, we've seen every goddamn colorway of this shoe. So, it kind of makes it feel less special, I guess. I still love that they removed the swoosh, though. That shit, you know, it, it has such a clean look. Um... But I don't know, not a bad shoe, just overdone, uh, at least for me. All right, uh, still on 1221, the Adidas NMD City Sock 2 in this all-black colorway. Um, well, like it has black and gray stripes on it, very subtle. Um, it's a very, you know, minimal silhouette. Uh, I don't know, not terrible, but nothing special. Another predominantly black and white sneaker from Adidas. If it's your thing, I get it. Um, if you guys have these these City Sock 2s, how do they rank in comfort? Because they obviously got rid of the block on the heel. So I wonder. I've never tried on a pair. So I wonder if, you know, I, I know that people had complained about the block hitting your fucking foot. Or I think it does have a block on the inner portion. I don't know. You guys let me know, though, comfort-wise. Is the City Sock 2 anything special? Um, all right. And also releasing that day is the Adidas NMD City Sock 2 in a core black noble indigo colorway. I mean, it's black with navy striping and orange hits on the inside of the ankle, which it's like, that's dope. But who the fuck is going to see it? It's literally on the inside panel of the ankle cuff. So like, I don't know. I mean, dope hit, but... Alright, next is the Adidas NMD R1STLT in this red striped colorway. Predominantly black with red striping. Um, I don't know, nothing special. I like the upper, uh, if, I, if I can say anything about it. I like the way that the lacing looks on the, the all sock upper. But other than that, I don't know, just another NMD man. Shit is kind of boring now. Shit is kind of boring. Um, Alright, 12.22. The Puma Japan Clyde. Um, In the chestnut Puma black colorway. This thing is fucking like bum shit brown. I mean, <laughs> this shit is... Uh, it's pretty bad. I mean, it's it's definitely just nothing special. Um, if, if you've been looking for a pair of brown shoes... I've got the pair for you, but I don't know. This shit is boring, man. It's just a fucking all brown suede Puma Clyde, black leather liner, black Puma stripe or swoosh, whatever you want to call it, and then uh, white speckling on the black outsole. Very basic, uh, very boring. All right, on 1223, we have the Nike Air Zoom Generation. Um, in this all black colorway, well, predominantly black colorway. Um, I don't know. I'm not too familiar with LeBron's earlier sneakers. I came into sneakers, what, maybe five to seven years ago or so. And my first sneaker that I ever purchased, like in the culture wise, like for, you know, out of the hype, I guess, was a uh, the LeBron 10 championship colorway 
it was like on all these sneaker blogs as like the most expensive you know uh basketball sneaker that nike's ever put out i think it retailed for three three hundred i don't know i remember it was a fucking ridiculous price and mind you this was my first step into sneakers and i was like wait so i can buy it and you know like i don't know i like i found it comforting that it could resell you know and that's what i told myself and i feel like a lot of people get fucked up in in you know they get involved in sneakers for the same reason i bought it and i was like okay yeah i'm gonna well i'm gonna invest my money in that and then i'm gonna fucking you know i'll wait for it to build value and then i'll sell it um well i ended up that i didn't want to sell it once i had it in hand and then uh it just sat because it was so like with it being so expensive and so pristine i didn't want to fucking ever wear it i mean the the outsole was fucking clear and gold speckled like i'm not gonna walk on that shit i'm gonna keep it you know i don't know like i just would not wear the shit and i loved it like but i I couldn't bring myself to wear it and then i eventually ended up uh what i think i sold it to a friend yeah because i don't think i ended up reselling it or did i no i don't think i ended up reselling that pair um but yeah never fucking worn you believe that shit um so anyways i'm not too familiar with the zoom generation and the early pairs of lebron's oh this this colorway looks clean i'm happy that they're it doesn't mean much to me but i know that someone out there this is like the shit too so um for 175 i mean it seems reasonable i don't know what they initially retailed for retailed for but um yeah i know to someone out there this is you know that's a huge lebron fan this uh this is probably everything to them so i get it um to me it's just like a you know a black basketball sneaker um but i don't know i mean if it's your thing good luck i know these uh these zoom generations these retros first off i'm happy that they're retroing them but i know that they've been mad limited so i mean best of luck if you're trying to grab them those release on 1223 um also on 1223 the nike air max 95 pull tab pack so that comes in a gym red and sail colorway um a which just has a all red upper and a sail or off-white outsole and red bubbles um it also comes in a black and sail colorway which i guess is somewhat clean but it's it's very basic um it has hits of red on the swoosh and the pull tab which are kind of nice but not enough to purchase it um and then the one standout in my opinion in the pack is the all sail colorway because it has a all well sale is nike's way to fucking say off-white right so it's essentially all off-white um the upper and the outsole air bubbles and all but then the swoosh is uh the swoosh and the pull tab have hits of red and blue and i think it's it's probably it's easily the cleanest one in the pack is it worth buying ah i don't know when i first saw it i wanted it but i don't know I don't need it i haven't needed many shoes recently like it's been difficult for me to pull the trigger on them um 
I think I'm more so just going to save up and treat myself to uh, one of the off-white pairs. Just because they're so... I know that's a very hype thing to do. But it's just because they're so um, iconic. And uh, I really feel like it sets a precedent for collaborations with Nike from here forward. Um, so, I don't know. that Maybe that's just what I'm justifying to make a fucking purchase that's going to be like, what, hundreds if not a thousand, um, and I don't know, because when I think of that price, it makes me not want them, so, I don't know, we'll fucking see, but, yeah, uh, the off-white pair is the cleanest pair in the pack, in my opinion, um, these might sit, though, if you guys are interested in them, they might sit, so I would, I would probably wait, and hopefully, you know, see them on clearance somewhere, um, it really depends also on how widely they're released, but, um, I would say wait unless you need them. I would say wait. And uh and then if they do end up selling out, you can buy them resale for like 10 bucks over re, you know over retail, so I don't know. Um but if that's your thing, the off-white pair is gorgeous. So uh and then also on 1223, the Nike Air Vapor Max White Christmas. So this is the all white upper uh Air Vapor Max. Um, and again, like I mentioned how I wanted a all white Vapor Max, but I want the white bubble. I feel like that shit would be phenomenal. I know it would get dirty. I know that shit. But, um, I mean, this colorway looks dope. And I really liked the thought of like one, it looks gorgeous now with the all white upper and then the icy blue, you know, uh, soul unit or the all blue or icy blue air unit. I don't even, I think it's just a soul unit now, right? Um but I also like the thought of when it starts yellowing. I think that shit will make it just look vintage and like I don't know. And and it obviously has this clear this clear like future aesthetic. And so for it to look like a vintage future shoe is kind of dope. I don't know. I'm still kind of I would let that one I want it. I'll let it I'll wait and see if it goes on clearance. Um, I feel like especially right now, releasing that in winter, no one's going to want it. So it'll likely sit and you'll be able to get it for what? I'm going to say $150. Um, maybe even lower. But I don't know. This one's on my radar. I'm not going to pull the trigger, but it has a lot of fucking potential. I really want the all-white air bubble. I don't know. I was thinking about this the other day, and I don't even know if we've ever seen an all-white air bubble like like pure white there has to have been um i don't know but the rubber would have to be white you know like it couldn't just be painted white and then i considered painting this outsole the vapor max outsole white and even if it cracks it would have a dope aesthetic um but i don't know if any of you do it you know fucking uh mention me on instagram i want to see that shit um, but I don't know, a dope pair, one of the dopest releasing that day, uh, now next, still on 1223, the Nike Zoom Vapor Tour X, uh, it just looks like a training shoe, I don't know, I mean, it looks cool, but, like, I don't know, you hitting the gym, bro, like, that's what it, it looks like, you're hitting the gym in this thing, I don't know, nothing special, it's all in a black and red colorway, um, very predictable not really that interesting uh no price listed so i don't know 
I don't know how much that thing is. Um, still on twelve twenty three, the Nike Kobe AD City Series. Um, it has like what fucking Braille on the back. Um, just an all black Kobe AD with a yellow swoosh and a yellow outsole. Uh, clean if it's your school colors or whatever, and it plays well. I don't know. Oh, also in the pull tab pack is this. It's the only like unique one, uh, in the pack. It's a, what is it, fucking navy? No, I think it's black. So, picture the Air Max 95 with uh, a black lace portion, a white stripe under that, a brown stripe under that, a red stripe under that, followed by a black stripe under that with a off-white sole unit. Um, It's unique. I could I could see people pulling it off and it looking dope. Um, it's one of those colorways that doesn't work until you make it work. Like it doesn't seem like it would work well, um, in in really many fits at all. But I feel like if you could pull this one off, it could look dope. Um, but I don't know. I still like the off white one better. I know this one has been the most talked about. I still fuck with the off white one more. Um, all right. Now on twelve twenty four. Christmas Eve, we have the Under Armour Curry 4 More Rage. Um, a clean Curry 4 colorway for 130. Um, it has like dope little, it's predominantly what, black? And then has an, uh, a white outsole and then four screen hits on the logo and then what, blue on the back? I don't know. It, I think they're actually metallic hits. So, um, yeah, very clean. I don't know. I mean, I wouldn't cop a Curry 4 because I don't, you know, but I get it if you hoop or if you're a huge fan of Curry, I get it. Um, and clean colorway, so that's your thing. All right, now on 12-26, we have the Nike KD-10 City Series. Hold on, what day are we going to? All right, we're going to the 28th. So 12-26, the, K- the Nike KD-10 City Series. Um, It's all cobalt blue or nike calls it racer blue with orange hits under the outsole like at the toe at the toe of the outsole um and then like a a, what do they call it light menta it's like a very light minty blue um around the swoosh at the heel i fuck with that contrast the most if i'm taking anything from the shoe it's that i like that contrast the light blue and the cobalt blue I like those two colors. It's just way... I mean, it's just one solid fucking color. Pretty boring. Um, but I like that contrast. If I'm if I'm being positive, I like the contrast. Uh, all right. Now, still on 1226, the Nike LeBron 15 City Series. Um, it's an all-gray LeBron. Um, it's coming in both men's and grade school uh, sizes. So, if it's your thing, it has, like, some nice metallic gold hits on the swoosh i like when they do the gold swooshes it makes it just feel like that much i don't know like that like regal has like a dope fucking feel to it and gold and gray is always a dope combination but other than the gold swoosh this this bitch is literally all gray so i don't know i mean if it's your thing but it's uh the upper is is pretty boring um all right 
Still on 1226, the Adidas EQT Sport 93 Boost Gore-Tex. Um, it's an all-white Adidas with Gore-Tex. Gore-Tex, which is dope, but an all-white, all-black. I don't know what the fuck it is with Adidas, man. <laughs> They've been putting out black and white sneakers all fucking year. Just tweaking them slightly. And then now, in the winter, you would be like, okay, well, we can't get any more white sneakers, so what the fuck are you going to give us, just black sneakers? Like, no, we're going to give you white sneakers, but with Gore-Tex. Like, I don't fucking get it, man. Uh, I get that you could wear it in the winter, uh, theoretically. I mean, even though it's a low-cut shoe, um, with it having the Gore-Tex, you would be dry, but fucking all white, dude. And it wouldn't even look dope beaten up. So, I don't know. What the fuck are you doing, Adidas? What the fuck are you doing to me? Can't keep... I'm not, I'm not going to buy your fucking white or your black shoes. Give me something different. Um, And here's something different from Adidas. So, on 1226, also, the Adidas Pro Fear. I believe this one already released. I'm on sneaker news, mind you. Again, like, if you guys want to follow along or check the, the release dates that I'm looking at. But... Um, I believe this one already released. It's they it's the gray colorway with like red speckling in the uh in the upper. It's got gray uh three stripe panels and then the still the uh all white chunky outsole. Um I don't know. I I've I've watched reviews of this sneaker. It looks clean, but the uh the three stripes Looking at it more and more, the three stripes are very reminiscent of Supra to me. And I don't really like that. Like, maybe, what, fucking seven years ago, I fucked with the Supras. Like, I fucked with the whole, like, Supra aesthetic being, like, this wild ass, you know, just having boisterous features on a sneaker that were loud as fuck. But now... And I don't know, maybe this just isn't for me. Like, it's just for a younger demographic. And I get that. Um, that's something that people don't consider. Like, sneakerheads always consider, like, the sneakers for them. It might not be for you, bro. And maybe that's what I'm coming to grips with. But I still stand by, if Adidas took this fucking, the three-stripe panels off. And then just had the holes for the lacing in the upper, like they do on the Yeezys. That shit would be clean as fuck. I think we'll see that. I think we will. Adidas experiments with their sneakers enough that I think we'll see that. And that will be clean. Because it will, like, just bring out the chunky outsole. And the right colorway of that could be dope as fuck. I still stand by the Profear could be dope as fuck with the right colorway. But the three stripes, like, the three eyelet stripes... I don't know. They've been fucking with me lately. So I, I don't know. But I look forward to seeing more of the model from Adidas. I'm not willing to just write it off like that just because of the, I don't like the two initial colorways. So um, and it's what relatively affordable 130. You're not even getting boost, though. So be mindful of that. Um, but yeah, I guess. But that's the thing. If they put boost in it, I feel like people would make the comments that Adidas is just, they're, they're solely relying on Boost. But now a sneaker without Boost, I, I don't know. 
now, I mean, now that it doesn't have boost, I feel like people are going to be like, why the fuck doesn't this have boost? That's the stupidest shit. Um, I like that they're diversifying their line, even, even after boost, when you have such a monumental, like, fucking, you know, phenomenal technology, it makes sense that you're going to put it in every one of your sneakers, because it's the standard now, right? And so any sneaker that you put out after that, you're going to get shit for, and it's going to be a minor critique that it's not nearly as comfortable. And I guess that's just what you got to come to expect, you know, because you kind of like fucked up your own sneaker line, but in a good way, I guess. Um, I don't know. But yeah, be mindful of that. It does not have boost. And from the reviews I've watched, it does run true to size. So uh, be mindful of that as well if you guys were looking to buy a pair. Um, but all right, also on 1226, the Atmos Bounty Hunter Reebok Instapump Fury collab um, for one retailing for 185. I don't know. This sneaker isn't uh, it's not great. It's it's just not for me, I guess. It's just an all black upper. Um, you have contrasting in the pump unit being a glossy black versus the the rest of the shoe being like a a matte black neoprene and leather um with logos at the heel the main accent though being the toe having like a a shark mouth or whatever the fuck that you usually see from bape um right i think yeah it bapes most uh they they use that design the most but uh i don't know it's not great or it's, or it's not for me. It's not terrible. For an Instapump colorway, it's not terrible. You know, I feel like you do have to go kind of all one color because the, the shoe itself is so wild, uh, you know, just in its construction. So I get it. But um, I don't know. Not for me. 185, definitely not for me. So this is your guys' shit. I get it. Um. But yeah, I don't know if it's supposed to be limited or what. But um, that's supposedly releasing on the 26th. So now on the 27th, we have the Nike Airmore Uptempo NYC. I feel like we covered this last week. Um, I don't know. It's not great. Um, And by not great, I mean it's fucking awful. This has got to be the worst because even with the shy, like the, you know, the Chicago colorway has, of course, the CHI. And I mean, that wasn't great, but this shit is so awful in that it has obviously the NYC and the C does not flow with the design. Like they have it. You guys would have to pull up a picture of this shit or, or rather don't let me let me fucking save you um that trouble and the eyesore of having to pull this shit up but the the c in nyc is like linked to the back logo and it just looks so fucking forced this is fucking awful man like this is meant to pay homage to nyc this shit falls on its face and ends up being like a disgrace to nyc that shit is bad this will be one that I feel like that we look back on and we're like, oh, wow, that fucking happened, huh? Like, fucking terrible, man. Um, But now on 1227, or also on the 27th, 
the Nike Vapor Max Chucka Slip. Uh, and it's retailing for 220. There are two colorways releasing. There is a white, uh, what is it? All white upper with a silver swoosh and red at the heel tab. And then a icy, uh, an icy blue sole unit. And then a all black colorway, um, kind of green, uh, green, <laughs> all black kind of gray speckling in the toe um like a gray pattern and then a silver swoosh um i think these look pretty fucking awful like if you remember i what what uh prime knit pattern was it because adidas updated their ultra boost and i believe it was like the ultra boost 3.0 or some shit maybe it was the four i don't know which one we're on um but it was one of those and the upper you'll know because it's the upper that looks like stretch marks and uh and this feels like this vapor max chucka slip feels like nike saw that and they're like we're outdoing you in everything bitch oh you think your shit looks like stretch marks how about this bitch yeah wait till they see they think their shit looks like stretch marks wait till they see this shit (laughs) like this shit looks awful man like that texture on the toe box looks fucking disgusting to me i don't know i mean online it doesn't seem like it's like most people feel that way which is fine but i just don't see how you could get past it and especially if you're gonna give adidas shit and not even on like a brand loyalty thing. Like I really don't give a fuck. But if you're going to give Adidas shit. For their knit looking like stretch marks. And then you're going to be walking around in this shit. Looking like your feet just gave birth or some shit. Like I don't know man. This shit is terrible. Fucking terrible. So that's all of the sneaker releases for this week. Um, Please don't do that to yourself. Don't, don't do that Chucka. 220 come on you you could spend that better you could spend it somewhere else better um god man that shit is awful uh all right so with that being concluded it is now time for the end of the year segment and this one i had to the other ones were kind of like i was thinking about end of the year segments from time to time and they kind of just came natural and they were like very like I don't know. They just like were easy to come up with. This one I had to think a little bit and just kind of figure what what is kind of a different type of list than we'll normally see. Mind you, I still am going to do a typical like a, a a standard, I guess, end of the year list for music and sneakers uh as as we get closer to the end of the year. This is kind of just more random shit, like random categories that most lists aren't covering. And um, so this list, this end of the year list, segment, category, whatever you call it, um, it is the most impactful sneaker design of 2017. Um, so essentially the top sneakers that made a lasting impact in 2017. Um, lasting as in I feel like the after effects are waves that the sneakers attempted mastered or created will be seen for years to come 
and the first is you guys have heard me talk about it before the nike air vapor max flyknit uh so again to me this shoe serves as the pinnacle of nike's air technology uh possibly overlooked because of adidas boost technology being the current peak in footwear cushioning tech but the vapor max is still the final evolution in an essential breakthrough in footwear history and i feel like that alone needs to be applauded so the vapor max flying it fucking phenomenal I, I still stand by that uh it's unfortunate that boost is so well it's that's just the way it goes you know like I, i'm not gonna say it's unfortunate because it's also so dope that fucking adidas is pushing you know that boost is essentially their air if you will right um it's just an, a huge leap, a huge advance, advancement in technology. And um, just for the entire footwear, fuck, fuck just Adidas, fuck just Nike. I'm talking entire footwear. You know, air was huge. It was fucking phenomenal. Nothing like it was seen. It was a huge risk. I mean, think of that as far as the consumer perspective. Looking at a sneaker and being like, you're telling me that that's okay for me to walk on like that like I, re I remember reading stories that they had trouble pushing that because it was such a an odd concept to people at first you know that they're gonna walk on an air unit and it's not gonna explode and uh and now to see a whole soul unit with air like that shit is dope man i don't know um but yeah so the first is and mind you this isn't in like an actual like a it's not in an ordered list these are kind of just random sneakers i was just kind of sitting back trying to think of what sneakers were impactful for whatever reason and uh that was kind of the first one that came to mind the, the flight it uh vapor max all right next is the acronym air force one that was in the complex the, like it premiered at complex i believe complex con um it was just all white uh so Ahead of its time in its initial release, this year's all-white rendition lends itself better to current tech streetwear trend. I feel like it was just more of a niche group or a niche following back, what, three to five years ago when we first saw it in the, uh, in, like, what, three colorways? And now I feel like there's, there's just more of a following. And so, uh, it feels, it feels like it's on trend while still being ahead of its time so i feel like it'll be better recognized currently um it's gorgeously simple in its all-white rendition um with nothing color-wise except for the silver zipper i love that shit aesthetically um while still retaining its initial complex function forward design um nothing was compromised in this collaboration i just feel like it was acronym taking the sneaker and uh making it you know taking an iconic sneaker and just making it the most usable right that's like their brand identity is function forward and uh i love the fucking zipper the zipper being like the whole panel being visible like that shit is so dope um so yeah the acronym air force one the all white fucking gorgeous um and then even even the vapor are the vapor the fucking uh lunar soul unit 
I feel like, you know, at first, and I typically, when I see a soul, uh, a lunar soul unit, I really don't fuck with the complex design of it, especially on an Air Force One that is so used to that, like, blocky, you know, minimal design, just reading air, you know, on the outsole. But when, with this, in this, in this uh, collaboration and this implementation, I feel like it flows so fucking well. Um, so, yeah. I can't praise it enough. The acronym Air Force One, uh, the all-white colorway. Um, all right, now next, the Supreme More Uptempo, our Supreme Air More Uptempo, if you will. Um, so well-executed collaboration that visibly embodies the DNA the legendary streetwear brand is known for. Um, I believe the seven-letter structure is key to the collaboration being successful. Uh, like it's key to its aesthetic i mean think about it that's what's fucking up all of these city sneakers i get that it doesn't always it's not always convenient enough to be seven letters but i i honestly feel like that was crucial to the supreme design if you look back on the sneakers that it's crucial that it has that r back like i don't know just the way the letters are proportioned it's it's really aesthetically pleasing and to put any other letters other than air typically would be like sacrilege right so that's just another achievement that supreme you know trumped in this collaboration um so where was i at because i wrote a brief paragraph on each of these kind of you know just going through why i really fucked with them or why i think they are um the most impactful sneaker designs of the year um so I believe the seven letter structure is key to the collaboration being successful. So also touching on that, just think the fucking NYC and the Chicago pairs feeling so forced. That's also what I'm talking about. You know, like it just the seven letter structure is key. Trust like I feel like I feel like it's it's something that goes overlooked. Um, But the colorways were also perfectly executed, you know, in the uh, what was it all gold? that gaudy ass colorway that like was it was just supreme swag right and then the uh the iconic red and white it had to be done that's probably the best just because i you know it's just embodies both brands so well like that's probably the key colorway um but then i think the third was what the all black i think it was the all black because i remember people getting certain letters that weren't 3m and that obviously the more understated colorway the more uh easy you know easy to wear colorway um but yeah fucking phenomenal collaboration uh and the collaboration serves as a perfect final well executed retro of the air more uptempo model so this to me the you know thinking back on it the supreme collab on the uptempo was very much to me a final like nail in the coffin not in a bad way though it was like a final goodbye to the sneaker just in like if they would have ended it with that that's like going out with with a bang like going out with fireworks rather than prolonging the shit like they're like we're seeing them do and just killing the model colorway after colorway and now here we are at the fucking the nyc colorway that is just probably the most fucked up for the model. Um, 
I don't know. It's hard to say. They're all pretty equally fucked up. Like, I don't know, man. But this this collaboration with, with Supreme uh, was phenomenal. And I think the, the red colorway is probably my favorite just because it embodies, you know, it so obviously embodies each of the brands. Um, but the whole collaboration, the gold, not for me, but I get it. And then the black, not for, well, it, it probably would have been for me like maybe two years ago, you know, just because I like these bulky, understated sneakers and I like staying low key with my footwear. But for what that red and white colorway embodies, that's kind of the pinnacle of the collaboration, in my opinion. Um, but yeah, the Supreme Air More Uptempo. And that's kind of where, where Uptempo's died to me. So all of these other bullshit colorways that we're seeing, uh, I just kind of ignore them. I mean, other than having to go through them for you guys, I pretend that they're not there. Like, I'm fine with Supreme being the last one to touch the model. Um, all right, next, the Cause Air Jordan 4. So not only well executed, but a clear example of Jordan Brand reaching out to an artist that's not traditionally a, you know, sneaker or clothing designer um, that paid off hugely. I mean, fucking phenomenal. Uh, I didn't really care. Like, neither of the colorways were like a must have for me. But I feel like the collaboration only widens the possibility uh, for collaborations to come. You know, just being with a range of artists. Like, I know they've collaborated with Futura in the past, who is not a traditional, you know, who is a streetwear artist, who is not a traditional um, footwear or clothing designer. But this one just felt like, to me, it was just like, okay, well, you know, with these being pulled off so well, first the gray colorway, which is probably the best in retrospect. Um, I know I just gave high praises to the all black colorway, but only because I don't know. I don't like I like the gray colorway for what it is and it being the first sneaker, but the black being the most wearable. I don't know. I, I fuck with both of them. And overall, more than anything, I fuck with the design, you know, keeping, you know, cause having the hands all over it and, uh, you know, and the fucking the most iconic part of the design, I have to say, at least to me, is the heel tab with the XX fucking phenomenal. Um, but yeah, so the cause Air Jordan 4. Um, now the Skepta Air Max 97, gorgeous colorway meets opportunity that's kind of what the collaboration embodied to me um skepta did not disappoint on this sneaker uh it serves as another representation of the breakthrough the colossal uk artist is making um what he did in music this year echoes into the collaboration into this sneaker collaboration um so yeah i i just i feel like it's a phenomenal colorway it's so streetwear ready um but still unique, you know, in that, and then, then the, the fucking SK for the element, like, that shit was the hardest shit, so, uh, yeah, more so just applauding this UK breakthrough, I mean, it's, it's been, Grimes been pushing for so many years, and now I feel like we're just barely hearing it really in the US, and I fucking love it, so this is a win for Skepta, it's a phenomenal colorway. Um, yeah, 
just extremely excited for Skepta in general and uh, him breaking through. And hopefully it just opens the door for more UK artists because that's typically how, typically how it works. And uh, yeah, so I'm excited. I love, I love Grime. I, it's hit or miss for me, but um, I don't know. I, I'm, I like it more and more the more I hear it. So, and Skepta is really that introduction for me. And then some of the playlists, as you guys have heard, if you've listened to them, they have uh, more and more UK artists. So I guess I do fuck with it more than I even realize. Um, and I think that's in large credit to Skepta. So uh, I love what he's doing. I mean, huge breakthroughs for him. Um, all right. Now next, the Balenciaga Triple S. So I feel like they mastered the aesthetic of the dad shoe. Um, the mastery in my opinion, is seen in the overly complex construction of the shoe from the sole to the upper paneling. Uh, artificial weathering of the shoe or artificial wear of the shoe is easy to dismiss as ironic and foolish on a, on a shoe in general, let alone a $800 shoe. But the detail in the version or the detail in the vision they executed in itself is worth applauding. Um, so just imagine, like, I get that, that, you know, whenever a shoe comes, like, pre-weathered, or, you know, the upper is just fucked with and has scuff marks or whatever, you know, I think people are quick to make jokes, which is understandable, especially when it's a designer sneaker, but that's typically who does it the most, and I feel like that's the irony in itself, you know, it being designer level, uh, sneaker design, but include, you know, just having such a rundown look, um, but I don't know, I mean, I, I think it's easy to dismiss, but the, the fucking weathering from, from photos that I've seen, uh, to me is probably the most phenomenal detail, it's done so fucking well, from the leather panels to, of course, the triple sole unit, and, um, yeah, I don't know, Balenciaga fucking hit a home run, I mean, to think just a couple years ago, they were doing arenas. And now for them to put out this design, it's fucking amazing, man. This design is gorgeous. And um, I don't know. I was just recently checking on StockX to see what they were retailing for or what they were reselling for, rather. Because mind you, the sneaker initially uh, retailed for $800. 800 fucking dollars. Sounds ridiculous, right? Um... We'll get a load of this. Now, there's what I think maybe like eight colorways that they have listed. Um, some store exclusive, some were like mainline Balenciaga. Um, but they average in resale price anywhere from what, 1200 to two grand. So, yeah, I think the demand is kind of speaking for itself. I mean, not that resale prices say anything. But I was looking to be like, man, like, I wish I could get a, a fucking colorway of this of this shoe. And, you know, just the, I just want to see it in hand, like preferably that gray and uh, purplish colorway. That one's gorgeous as fuck. But there's also a um, it's a store exclusive. I'm trying to remember which store it is. It's predominantly white with yellow hits. And that one was the one that was going for two grand. So I was like, oh, wow. Well. Um, cause I know they released a exclusive colorway with essence 
And then also a exclusive colorway with who was it? Not Barney's. Ah, fuck, man. Dover Street Market, I think. And um, that's the the white and yellow colorway. Fucking phenomenal. That would probably be number two. But yeah, so I mean, it goes to say like when you think a sneaker is too much, fucking 800 and then it's reselling. And mind you, I only include the $1,200 price tag because there were like two that were that low. All the others were 1500 and above. So pretty fucking ridiculous. Um, but what they did with the sneaker, you know, price aside, aesthetics, you know, focusing just on aesthetics, the shoe, the execution, uh, fucking phenomenal. Um, so that's, that's the dad shoe that has yet to be beaten. Um, in my opinion. Uh, so, all right, next is predictably, I feel like, uh, Virgil's Off-White Air Jordan 1. So, it's a new interpretation of an iconic, previously, quote-unquote, untouchable design. And what I mean by that is just, like, I feel like the one, or, or Jordan's for the most part, but especially the one, was pretty untouchable. And not only untouchable, but when you would get to do a colorway on it if you got the chance i feel like it was just subtle panel color changes with maybe some embroidery on it and virgil went and flipped the whole shit so i feel like the design by a newer artist proved the value in trusting a new designer and again very much like the cause just opens the door for more possibilities i mean we recently what this week saw leaked photos of uh, a supposed another colorway of the off-white version of the Air Jordan 1 in a Carolina blue color. And uh, I don't know. I don't like it nearly as much as the first one just because the first one, the mix of colors, it's so fucking wearable. Um, and and also with it being the first. But I, I thought about what do you guys think if they treat this like a not not necessarily a mainline shoe but they release multiple colorways of that same rendition of the air jordan one i was trying to think of how i would feel about that shit i guess the more colorways the better i mean like i said i don't really care for the carolina colorway but it would only be a matter of time until we got what like a bread colorway and uh and a fucking royal colorway so or like a fucking uh shattered backboard colorway that shit would be pretty dope um but i don't know i i guess i like the idea just with the more on the market the more chances you would get to buy one and uh yeah fucking phenomenal i mean what virgil did with that the creativity that it took um and for him to fucking just dissect an air jordan one like that and for nike to trust him and be like, okay, yeah, we, we trust in your design. We're going to put this out. I mean, fucking phenomenal, man. And then the last sneaker that I had to mention for 2017 that I feel like we'll clearly see echoes of in the coming years is the Adidas Futurecraft 4D. Um, it's crucial for obvious reasons. Although 3D printed outsoles are likely quite far from being common on footwear, it is an inevitable, intuitive avenue with unexplored possibilities. Uh, this shoe serves as the first footprint in that exploration. So, you know, I, I know it wasn't widely available, and it makes sense when, you, when you're rolling out a sneaker like that. I think it was astronomically priced, too. 
like 500 plus. I don't remember the retail price, but I know to get one now, you're looking at at least $3,000. So um, I feel like it, it just is such a representation of what's to come and such a uh, benchmark for where we're at in 2017. And uh, I can only imagine, yeah, like this is an avenue that we're going to see all brands, all sneaker brands explore. And uh, I feel like it's going to be crucial to a lot of the brands moving their production or at least a fraction of their production to the U.S. Um, And just the, the possibilities that 3D printing represents, period, you know, and that's like sustainably and uh, just... I don't know. It's it's fucking. I'm I'm excited again. This this kind of ties back into tech where we're going with tech, like fucking uncharted territory, you know. And uh, to think of the combination, mind you, the 4D, the Futurecraft 4D had a knit upper, um, on that 3D printed outsole, but to imagine, I, I fucking love the the contrast of just the thought of the contrast of a 3d printed sole unit with a supple ass leather upper like fuck um i don't know so yeah huge benchmark for where we're at technologically in 2017 as far as footwear tech goes who knows maybe this is the next like boost tech i don't think so i mean i don't expect much from 3d printing comfort wise at least you know but who's to say like that likely is the next territory. Like, it's not always just going to be plastic. You're going to get to fucking experiment with more and more colors and are more and more colors. What the fuck? More and more materials and constructions, you know? Um, so who's to say that it can't be more comfortable than Boost? We didn't know Boost was going to be as comfortable as it is until we saw it. And even when we initially saw it, like, or at least speaking for myself personally, I thought it not only looked cheap as fuck, but it was like, how the fuck is that going to be comfortable? It looks like styrofoam, right? And it still does, but it's like, you never know what form this, like, new, these uncharted territories, this new tech is going to take, and I love that, and I love where we're at technologically, and just, uh, with all of these advancements all over the place, whether it be sneakers, whether it be, uh, you know, cell phones, whether it be AR technology, um, all of this, I, I love, I love the, uh, musically, um, politically, now, mind you, politically, I just mean that there's a new precedent set with Trump being in office. So, you know, it really opens the floodgates to the possibilities in the future. I mean, the next, I I, I don't know what we'll see in the 2020 election and onward, but I guarantee you it'll be like nothing we've seen before. And that's exciting to me. So with that being said, I fucking love you guys. Um, I hope you guys are having amazing, an amazing holiday, uh, an amazing holiday weekend. Enjoy yourselves. Enjoy your time. Enjoy your life. Um, again, I love you guys, and you'll be hearing more from me soon. Peace, guys.